I've had this message in my heart for a few weeks now about a stone of help and an anchor of hope. A stone of help and an anchor, a rock of help and an anchor of hope. The sense in my spirit of a, a story, I wanna to talk today about Ebenezer stones and the promise anchors. The, the one looks back and Ebenezer stone looks back on what God has done and uh, what he's done up to this point and the other looks forward with faith knowing about this is what I believe God is gonna do. The, the one acts as a stone of help or the remembrance of God's help and the other serves as an anchor of hope that it's a rallying focus for future belief and action. So let me just talk a little bit about this rock of help uh, and we're gonna take you to 1 Samuel 7. The story is the background to the scriptures. Let me just tell you that. Israel has not been doing well. They've been following other gods. They've been unfaithful to the Lord. And so what starts to happen is corruption starts in the temple and the priests are not doing well and the people are, are just really not serving God. And so God, uh, the Philistines are, are basically dominating Israel. That's the punishment. And the Ark of the Covenant gets captured by the Philistines and is uh, away from Israel. And at this time, Samuel is emerging. He's been a prophet for some time. He's been a prophet since he was a boy in the temple. But now he's coming into the full flow of his prophetic mantle and he starts to become the person that Israel looks to. He becomes the judge of Israel, not just the prophet. And so Samuel gets up and uh, what happens is the ark just is freaking the Philistines out and they say, we've got to send this ark back. So they send it back and the ark comes back to Israel. And Samuel uses the moment of the ark returning to call the nation to repentance. And he says, listen, guys, we, we've, been, we've been messing up. It's been a tough few years uh, for us because we haven't been serving the Lord. But listen, I'll tell you what, if we come back as a nation and we dedicate ourselves to the Lord and we focus again on Him and we throw aside all the other considerations, then we will pursue the Lord and the favour of God and the blessing of God will come back on the nation and life will be good. And so the nation says, yes, we'll do this. And they come to Samuel and Samuel calls a meeting at a place called Mizpah, which is the place that had some significance because it was the place where Jacob and Laban had made their covenant and it meant the watchtower. May God watch between us because they made a covenant there. I'll never hurt you, you never hurt me. And so Samuel calls him to Mizpah, this place where we stand and we notice and we call to attention, God judge between us, that kind of place. And so the nation comes to Mizpah and they are calling on God. They're fasting, they're making sacrifices. And the Philistines hear about this national gathering and they say, we are gonna stop that before that gets any headwind. And they come up to fight against Israel and they're right at the time when Samuel is about to make the sacrifice. And the nation of Israel sees the enemy coming. They've not come. They're not prepared. They're not ready. They don't have weapons. And they realize we're in deep trouble. So they say to Samuel in, a, in the, one of the best euphemisms of the Bible, don't fail to stop to pray. Like keep whatever you do, that thing you do with the Lord, that connection you have with God, now is the time to Turn up the volume. So Samuel prays, and the Lord sends this unbelievable thunder. It says, the Lord thundered from heaven with thunder and bolts of lightning. If you read the, the, the Jewish sages, they talk about it was this, uh, this um, earthquake as well, but that's not in the scriptures. And the Philistines are petrified, and they run 
they, start, they turn around and start running. And Israel is just emboldened by that. And so they chase the Philistines as far back as their cities and they kill them all the way along the road. They bring about this major victory. And for the next bunch of years, the Philistines are really not a big problem for Israel because of this moment, because of this time. So let me take you. Now, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such panic that they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering on the way to the point below Bethkar. And then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped me. Ebenezer means the stone of help. Basically, Samuel got a bunch of guys to pick up this massive rock and to move it to a place where it was not obviously natural occurring, and he set it up so that it was conspicuous there. There was a rock that was conspicuously set up so that every time anybody passed by that place, they're going, what's that rock doing there? And people could point to it and say, that is the stone of help. Let me tell you the story of how God came through. Let me tell you how God thundered against our enemies. Right here in this valley. It was designed to be conspicuous. It was designed to make people ask questions. It was powerful for parents to stroll past the stone. Dad, who put that stone there? Oh, that was the prophet Samuel. Let me tell you the story. Because he wanted it set. He wanted some of the truths set in the imagination and in the heart and in the inspiration of Israel. This is the place. It's early on. Samuel's about 20 years old when this happens. And God thundered in that place. And Samuel sets it up and it's an interesting thing that he does because he says this is the stone of God's help. Up until this point in our history, up until now, God has been our help. What bugs me about this is I'm going, Samuel, it's a little threatening. Well, what about next week? Why don't you just say, but, and God is always going to be our help, right? He goes, okay, well, up to here, God's helped us. And I realize he's in the old covenant, and he turned around and said, you ugly things, you better shine up. They haven't done all that they wanted to. They aren't completely free of all their enemies. They have just come through a rocky stretch where the ark has just been returned from enemy hands. But they set up a stone, the stone of help. To this place, God has helped us. He's kept us. He's watched over us. This is what this time means. We've turned our hearts back to Him and we are seeking only Him and He has given us specific help. Now you and I need to take a little moment every now and again and set up some stones, some memory stones, some rock to say, this is what God did in this place. This is where God came. There are some places around here where we went on vacation when we had no finances in the early days when we bought this building, we were house poor. <laughs> we had no money to go on vacation. We prayed as a family, said, Lord, help us in the South African tax department who I hadn't paid taxes to for about five years wrote to me and said, by the way, we, we, we owe you a lot of money and sent me money. And we went on vacation down to Florida, jet skied. <laughs> Found out my wife is violent on a jet ski <laughs> in Florida. It's a memory stone for me. 
Now, when we ride on a jet ski, I remember, I remember. This is the God who gives generously to all without finding fault and who gives you everything you need for your enjoyment. I remember. See, we live under the great light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the immense promises that are ours, the incredible inheritance that has been secured for us. We have the abundant provisions of grace that are amazing in their scope for us. And we're called to draw closer to Jesus, to grow in grace and in His love and in knowledge of God and to learn to obey Him and to walk in all His ways. So God gives us new mercies every morning and He gives us abounding grace to help us in our times of need. But just like Samuel did, we have everything we need for the journey. But just like Samuel did, from time to time, we need to take stock, we need to set up a mile marker of sorts. We need to say, this is my stone of remembrance. I give it a name to celebrate where we are and what God has done for us. And that's what this day is about for us as a church. Set up memory stones, a stone of help. This is our Ebenezer. To this place, God has been faithful and kind and true. And of course, He's going to carry on being those things. If I set up a rain gauge in the morning, I can tell you that it rained. We had two inches of rain last night. If I don't have a rain gauge, I come out and I know that it rained last night, but I have no metric of measurement. To set up these stones of memory, these moments helps you because the next time pressures come against you, you need a memory bank. You need to have a, a, a whole place filled. I love going into Leif Hetland's office. It's full. It's a busy office. Because there's a, there's a thing there. Go, where did that come from? Oh, just, let me tell you a story about what the Lord did there. Just memory stones everywhere. Oh, this gift was given to me by this king. Oh, this thing happened when the, this girl got out of a wheelchair. Oh, that was, that's just memory stones. Up until this place. God has helped us. And it's not just important for you. I'm jealous for your children. I want your children to grow up on the legend of what God did in your life. I want your children growing up knowing that we're part of a kingdom that has been going on for thousands and thousands of generations and that people have been serving this God with reckless abandon, with their whole heart, with everything inside of them for thousands of years and He has been faithful to everyone. And we join as part of a kingdom, a great cloud of witnesses to be part of something that God is doing on the earth because He's given it to us in this moment to be alive in this nation, on this planet at this time. And we have a role to play. And it's not just for this one nation, but it's for this great kingdom and the eternal purposes of God. And my job is more than just to get the white picket fence and retire happy. My job is to give myself for the king and his kingdom and to see that kingdom expanded on the earth. Amen. Amen. It's important that we remind ourselves. So the rock of help needs reminding. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> remind yourself. Well, well, can't you set up somebody else to remind me? No, you remind yourself.
what moved me so deeply is I'm thinking about the, the faithfulness of the Lord to me over the last 40 years since he called me. And I sat this week and I just remembered moments of encounter and the whisper of God and the faithfulness of God just moved me. Because I know my God has been kind to me. Because I, because I stirred myself. Because I'm going to preach this. I thought, I, got, I better do it before I preach it, right? So you, you, but I'm, I'm, I'm reminding myself. I remind. I stir up the memories. I, I remember the faithful kindnesses of God to me. And this is what happens in you. Just go full of thank you, Lord. So that while I'm looking back and say, so up to this point in my life, this is what God has done. And I turn around and look into a future. I don't care what's coming. Because I know what's behind. And I'm confident it's going to continue. If you haven't already, it would be a great spiritual exercise to remind yourself. Set up your own Ebenezer, a memory stone that will remind you of God's support or help or His awesomeness. Samuel set the stone up between Mizpah and Shen, which Mizpah means the watchtower, the one where you stand in judgment and you say, this is what the Lord wants to do. And Shen means that which brings change or a tooth. Somewhere between where we perceive what is necessary and the change we need to make, we need to set up a memory stone in the middle of that to say this is who God is. Before you make decisions about the future, before you completely write off the past, you set up a memory stone to say this is who God is for me. This is what he's done in our family. These are the moments that he's brought us through. This is the sustaining grace he's kept. This is the way he's answered us. Because Jesus is always gonna be our stone of help. The one who answers when we call and the ever-present help in our need. The one who said, cast your care on me because I care for you. Between where you are and the changes you need to make, you need to set up an Ebenezer. It's one of the ways that we declare we're coming back to the Lord. We're coming back and setting Him as our heart's devotion. To seek Him for solutions. To look at Him with hope. You are my Ebenezer. You are my stone and my rock of hope. Help. You are the one I'm looking to, Lord. So remind yourself of what He's done for you and the encounters you've had and the testimonies He's given you. I want to take a moment. I'm, I'm just going to ask you to do this right now just to squander some time in my message. Not because I didn't prepare, but because I wanted you to have a moment to apply what we've just talked about. There's three areas I would like to suggest that you think about. The encounters that you've had with God, the testimonies that you've had this year, and the scriptures that have jumped up and bit new in the heart. The encounters that you've had, those moments, maybe it was in a time of worship, maybe it was when you were alone with God, maybe it was in a crisis, maybe it was in a time of great joy, but there's a moment when God stepped near your life and you heard His voice or you felt His touch or something happened. I want you to write those down. I want you to remember the encounters and I want you to go back and take a little moment with the Lord in remembering, in memory of those moments. Go, wow, God, you did that. I'm telling you, it'll inject faith. It'll inject something into your spirit that is necessary between where you are and the changes you need to make. We need to talk about the testimonies. 
What did the Lord do for you this year? I promise you it's gonna take longer than you think it will to write it down unless it's been your habit to remember the testimonies. Just get so busy with life. But if you just think back on the year, on the prayers that you prayed and the answers that God gave and you go, Lord, wow. And then some of the scriptures that just jumped up and bit you in the heart this year that just were, were um, anchors and rocks and things that you clung to and that gave nutrient into your soul. Go back and revisit those. I tell you a truth. You need to set up Ebenezer's in your life. This far, God has helped me. Because the Ebenezer's you have will speak a word into the future that you're gonna walk into. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you or your children will be walking down a road and you're gonna have to walk past that and remember, oh yeah, oh yeah, remember? We look past, we look back, that's the rock of help. When we look towards the future, we have an anchor of hope. I don't know what happens between now and when I step into eternity, but I do know that I step into eternity because I have a hope that's anchored. I have promises from God that are anchored in Jesus Christ who has gone behind the veil and he's seated at the right hand of God. And my hope is anchored there, the Bible says. And I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. I have wound it around my arms and tied it around my waist and I'm wrapped up and I'm clinging to this rope that is anchored behind the veil because I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how rough the seas are gonna get, but what I do know is that I have an anchor for my soul and it's behind this curtain where Jesus waits for me and he waits for you. Hebrews 6, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by themselves by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. That's what he said. He confirmed it with an oath. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. He did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctum behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and has become for us a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The scripture teaches that God wanted to make something extremely clear to a certain group of people. So he enacted two things. What did he want to make clear? God wanted to make it clear that he will never, ever, ever, never, ever change his mind on this thing that he has an unchanging purpose. God wanted to make that really clear. 
I will not change on this. I will not break this. Nothing will ever stop this. This is unchanging. God wanted to make that clear. Who did he want to know this? The heirs of what he promises. Why did he want them to know it? So that those who grab hold of him and faith in him can be greatly encouraged. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, the covenant and an oath in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of that hope may be greatly encouraged. We may be greatly encouraged. Why? Because God said, I want you to be absolutely sure. So how can I make you sure? So I'm going to cut a covenant with you. I'm going to swear an oath to you. Because I want you to, I want there to be, I want it to be so inviolate. I want it to be so clear in your head that I'm never ever going to change my mind on this. I want you to know. So he swore an oath and he cut a covenant and he made it with you. Why? Because he wants you greatly encouraged. Why? Because sometimes life's going to go up and down. So in the middle of the, greatly encouraged. Oh, it's down now. Greatly encouraged. Oh, we're up now. Greatly encouraged. Oh, we're going sideways. Greatly encouraged. Do you understand up and down and sideways? Yeah. But I'm not anchored in up and down and sideways. I'm anchored behind the veil where Jesus has gone in my behalf. And he swore an oath and he cut a covenant with you. Because he wanted you to be absolutely sure. He wanted you when you look into the future of your life to know... I don't know what else is going to happen, but I know where I'm going. Behind that veil. Oh, oh no. Oh no. You have to watch out. No, you don't. Because it's unchanging. And I'm, I've wound this rope so around me so much. I'm so anchored. Galatians 3. If you belong to Christ... Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. <laughs> I don't know how to say that more clear. Is that unclear to anybody? If you believed in Jesus Christ, then you are an heir of Abraham. And that oath and that covenant that God swore to Abraham is for you. When God wanted to make the heirs know, that's who he's talking about. You who believe in Jesus. Now, just as we can celebrate all the way along and erect for ourselves stone of remembry to show that our journey has been good and God has been faithful, so now I also have, an, I have a stone of help and I have an anchor of hope because I hope and my hope is set in the God that doesn't change. My salvation does not rest on my own effort, but on the efforts of Jesus. I come to God not pleading the cause of my own merits, but pleading the merits of Jesus. Just like Abraham, we don't access God's favor because we have a record of perfect deeds, but because we believed in God's promises. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and we have access to God's promises by faith. The point is, God is absolutely serious about you and he wants you to know it and he will not back down or change his mind. He wants you to have confidence. 
He made an oath and he cut a covenant to make the heirs very sure that he would never back off. God will not back off you. God will not step away. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never be unfaithful to you. He will never break a promise to you. God will not back down. And he wants you to be sure about that. God is doing everything to ensure that your faith faith is in him. Isaiah 54. To me, this is like the days of Noah. When I saw that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. This is God, this is Isaiah 54. Isaiah 52, he said, I'm gonna send my servant. Isaiah 53 says, my servant's gonna die and he's gonna be beaten and he's gonna, gonna, oh, it's gonna be beautiful. Uh, We like sheep have gone astray, but God has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's Isaiah 53. Isaiah 54, God says, now, to me, the last time I felt like this, to me, this feels like the days of Noah. I haven't been this serious about something since I swore an oath to Noah. Noah. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Don't let people tell you, don't let people tell you that that anchor is in some doubt in your life. It's not in any doubt, not from God. Don't let people make the doubt in your heart because there's no doubt because God wanted to make the heirs very sure. He confirmed it with an oath. God wants you to know that it's unchanging and he wants you to be sure. He doesn't want you worried. But with this anchor of hope, we have to encourage ourselves. We have to remind ourselves about the stone of help and we have to encourage ourselves. We have to repeat this. We have to say it out loud. We have to press in. We have to talk about this gospel. We have to engage in the gospel of grace. We have to be part of it. We have to encourage ourselves because if we're not careful, if we're not engaging and encouraging ourselves with these truths, what happens is we start to forget. We forget the beauty and the goodness and the kindness and the grace of God. And the Bible warns about this. Second Peter says, if anybody doesn't have these qualities in increasing measure, he becomes nearsighted and blind and he forgets that he's been forgiven his past sin. How can you forget something like that? So we encourage ourselves. That's what Paul said it again and again. Encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another with these words, because Jesus is coming back. Encourage one another. Three things to encourage yourself in. The unchanging nature of God. Ooh, I like this. God cannot be unfaithful to one person, because if he's unfaithful to one person in one set of circumstances, then he has proven unfaithful, and he's denied himself, and the whole universe comes unglued. That's logic. God cannot be unfaithful. If he is unfaithful, then he ceases to be who he is and the universe ceases, this is all wrapped up in him. God cannot be unfaithful to anyone at any time. He is faithful. He remains faithful. When you are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Why? Because he can't be unfaithful. He can only be faithful. 
This is the way he is. And so God is going to be faithful. And so one of the things that I love to do is to just say, what is the, how do I encourage myself? <laughs> God's life is like an ocean. It's like a hundred oceans. And it's deep and wide and powerful. I can go a mile deep in the love of God and still not even see the beginnings of the depth of it. I can be 100 miles deep in every direction and still not have even come close to plumbing the depths of God's love for me. So, and He never changes. That's always available. I love the unchanging nature of God because there's a security in the unchanging nature of God. He's always faithful. He's always loving. Always holy. Always just. Always gracious. Whoo! Aren't you tempted sometimes not to be gracious? Because you all look so spiritual. Is it just me sometimes? I, I want to start an app. No, this is the bad, bad pastor. I want to start an app for pastors. This is the situation. This is what I said. This is what I wanted to say. <laughs> Don't you think? I think that it would take off. But God never changes. The unbreakable promises of God. God's promise to you cannot be broken. And <laughs> recently I was talking to the Lord. I go, Lord, did you mean that? He goes, I didn't stutter. I was like, got it. No, I meant exactly what I said. I said it to you and I meant, just because just at the moment when you look at my promise, you, you're staggering at the unbelief. You go, I don't know how that's possible to do that. He goes, your, un, your unbelief, your, your, I don't know how that, I could never get that done. Doesn't mean that it's not true. Doesn't mean I didn't mean it when I promised you. So I'm preaching to about 15 people right now. This is your piece of the meeting. God never backed down on his promise to you. He didn't make a mistake when he promised you. The unbreakable promises of God are something that some of you in this room need to just go back and say, what did the Lord say? And you need to read them again and you need to dare to lift up your voice and say it maybe a hundred times. Lord, you said. And maybe on the hundredth time you'll start to go, but you, you said, Lord. And the unstoppable plans of God. The Bible says God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. God has an unchanging purpose. He cannot be changed. The devil cannot break it. Nothing in all of creation can stop the eternal purposes of God. You know what's going to happen? Before him, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is inevitable. That's coming. Get in line. Help others get in line. Because that's where we're going. Some of you may want to take some time this week to meditate on that. It'll encourage you. I've so run out of time. Once you were alienated from God, Colossians says, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you. Not he's going to reconcile you. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you Three things. God, you, he has already done this. He presents you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. 
See, <laughs> he, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present you now, holy in His sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Now, that's the work of Jesus. What He says is, you need to wind this hope around you. You need to tie it on. You need to lean forward into the things of the kingdom. You need to engage your life. Don't sit back with your hand behind you. Oh, well, Jesus is gonna do everything. No, 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 no. He's gonna cooperate with you. There is something for you to do. It's not just like, well, it's, I, I don't have anything to do. No, you have to learn to respond to God's voice and take steps of faith in this. There's a whole beautiful uh, adventure that lies in front of you. You have to engage a little bit here with the Lord. But before you can engage in that, you have to encourage yourself a little. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Let me close with this. I've always said the greatest measurement of Northlands is going to be not the amount of people that were on chairs on a Sunday morning, but the amount of people that we have helped grow up and launch into the call of God on their life. The greatest measurement of this church will be how many people grew up into and found their place in God and stepped into the call of God on their life. That, right there, that number I'm interested in. I hope it's thousands and millions. But I'm interested in that because the goal is not to just look good in the eyes of our community, but the goal is to launch you into becoming who God called you to be so that you can step out and do what God wants in your life, that you can bring the kingdom of God into this earth so that Jesus will come back quicker. I'm interested in you being all that you can be in the kingdom. And to that end, the question is, how do you do that? How do we help you grow up? How do we get you moving forward? How do we get you established in the gospel? How do we get you hearing God's voice? How do we make disciples out of you? The best way uh, we've come up with is, is this journey map that we've put out there. And I just wanna say some of you, some of you have engaged with the journey map, thousands of people have, some of you haven't yet. I just like to say, we have a, a picture of the journey map up here. Eight lands, you can learn. The community groups the, where we meet together, many of them are, are investing in one of these lands and they're, they're engaging for a year, trying to make disciples out of people in these areas, whether it's salvation or getting foundations set in your life or understanding about church life. Maybe it's, maybe it's your spiritual life or your home life or, or life on a mission, or maybe it's your, being a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, or maybe it's your leadership role. I don't mind where you're choosing to grow, but I just wanna say to some of you, we need to engage with this this year. Go to a community group, get yourself focused. Paul said, this is what, is what you are right now, but you need to keep growing in your faith. You need to be anchored in this gospel. You need to take some responsibility. Well, I come to church on Sunday, isn't that enough? No. It's a good start. But in smaller groups, with people who really wanna grow, and maybe the reason I wanted to bring up this in this year was that this time of year is the time that most people look at their life and they look at the year past and they look forward and they go, okay, I'm gonna, okay, 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 I'm gonna reset my priorities. That's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. 
It's not always executed perfectly, but it's a good thing that you reset the priorities. And while you're doing that, just like Samuel had to do to Israel, I just want to say, make Jesus your central focus. Make him the king of your heart. Set that as your primary goal, growing up into the call of God on your life. That is the most important thing in the, in the earth. That is the most important thing of your life. And I swear this to you, one day when we're all in eternity, you'll come up to me and say, thank you. Thank you, you told us. This was the best place to invest ourselves. This was the place to give our hearts. This was where we give our finances. This is our devotion. This is where we go. I give it all to Jesus. And you'll thank me for that. So give all you can. Serve all you can. Love as much as you can. Because for all eternity, you will be glad that you did. Father, we give you honor for the unchanging nature of who you are and for the, the reality, Lord, that you've been a rock of help and you are our anchor of hope. To this point, Lord, you've helped us and what a help it's been. And right now, Lord, you anchor us and what an anchor that is. I release your blessing and your favor to your people. Peace upon you. Favor. New opportunities. New ideas. New friendships. Keep us, Lord, from evil. Lead us away from temptation. Put your blessing upon your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.